So I went out and about and I looked at a couple of different things. I looked at some watches. I looked at some beautiful paintings. I'll tell you about those in just a moment. I also looked at a very expensive bed and I looked at some very closed bottles of whiskey, which was disappointing. But there are not that many galleries in Joburg where you can go and buy a nice painting. You can have the highfalutin galleries where you can pick up an old master that you might not even enjoy looking at all that much, or you can go buy something deep and meaningful and angstful and challenging at an art auction, but it's not much fun to look at. Or you can just go and buy something nice and contemporary that you will look at each and every single day. So, here I am in the Cherie de Villiers Art Gallery. If you really want to spend some serious money on somebody this Christmas, then you go to an art gallery. And what I like about this particular art gallery is that practically every single painting on the walls and every single sculpture on the floor of this place is spectacular. There's even, if you've got somebody in your family who's listed a company on the JSE, for example, there's a Sarah Richards bull and bear sculpture for 34,500 rand. It's tiny, um, but it would be nice for somebody who works in a listed company. They're beautiful scenes of beautiful artwork. There's a Paddy Starling painting in Goonie Cattle in the Overberg. It is spectacular. It is about a meter high, 1.8 meters wide, and it's just so, so, so special. It really is very beautiful. It's 75,000 rand. There's some gorgeous um, old shops, small town shops, for example, roadside stalls. Uh, one called Car and Fortune seems to specialize in these. Color My World is at 58,500. Uh, those old days are gone, which is in a small town. It could be anywhere in the Karoo at 58,500. There's some spectacular landscapes. Then there are some wonderful scenes by, by a guy called Peter Hall who captures downtown Johannesburg in the same sort of atmospheric way as many New York artists do. There are scenes of Musenberg. There are a couple of nudes, if you're into that kind of thing. And then the sculptures. There's a little girl reading a book. There's an Irland bull. There are beautiful birds. There is a golfer. There really is. If you want to spend some serious money at Christmas time and you really want to adorn your house with something massively special, then you can go into the art gallery. Now, Cherie de Villiers is a little bit shy to talk to me about her art, so she's forced me actually walk around the gallery from my uninformed and ill-informed state and look for a bargain. I'm looking for a bargain, looking for a bargain. Five and a half thousand rand. I can do a Temple Kumala for five and a half thousand rand. There's 3,800. There's quite a nice range of artworks in here. The Cherie de Villiers Art Gallery with some beautiful, beautiful paintings. What a pity I don't have enough walls. Here we go. Oh, money for that matter, but that's Cherie de Villiers Gallery in the Hyde Park Shopping Centre. It's a place uh, where lots of the posh brands uh, exist, but also posh brands exist in Sandton City. What about a, a nice watch for Christmas? If you um, have the new political party leader with absolutely everything else in the world, for example, what would you get them on well, a nice watch? perhaps. Um, Certainly, you can get a fairly expensive one, or you can go to the shop where they sell watches promoted by movie stars and sports celebrities. And then you run into a guy like this. So when you're in Sandton City, you escape from the mewling children being dragged around by grumpy parents who are spending far too much. And we've come into... What is this this beautiful shop called? Our shop is called World's Finest Watches. And you are? My name is Ernest. Ernest, and we are standing in front of the George Clooney watches, the Omega watches. These are pretty pricey things, aren't they? That's correct. Tell me how much I might get an Omega for. If you're looking for an Omega piece that George Clooney wears, you're looking at about 40K for a Diver 300. It's a signature piece, fully automatic, coaxial escapement movement, pretty neat stuff. Okay, then if we're going along, we're going along to the watches made famous by Julius Malema, <laughs> um, which are the Breitling watches, Ernest. Yes. Come and tell me about the Breitlings, because Breitling must be expensive if Juju wears them. All right, well, Breitling caters for quite a bit of people. They started about... 
35,000 Rand for the mid-range quartz entry-level models, and they go up to about 350 for your solid gold pieces. So why would I pay 10 times more for the thing that tells the time than just the 35 grand one? Well, I guess it's the heritage you're paying for. It's, um, it's the legacy behind it. It's the story that, that the watch carries. And it's, it's actually really nice to tell your watch what time it is after a while. Okay, now take me to where the expensive watches are. Because we've done Omega, we've done Breitling. I see you've got a, a stack of Hubolt over there. You've got Rolex. Rolex are kind of pricey, aren't they? Uh, yeah, you can pick up an entry-level Rolex for about 65,000 Rand. 65,000 Rand for an entry-level Rolex. Yes, so then you get your, your mid-range Rolexes for about 80,000 Rand. You get your, your classic cult models like the Submariner mm -hmm. for about 85, your Daytonas for 120. And it goes up all the way to a couple of million rand if you dare to shop. So, what is the most expensive watch you've ever sold in the shop? In this store, we've done about a million and a half rand. And one person came in and bought a million and a half. That's correct. What's our appetite for spending this Christmas like in terms of watches? It's been insatiable. People come in, it's ridiculous, they shop, they can't stop. But it's nice and empty right now. Well, it is, luckily. It's lunchtime, people are out in the restaurants having a good time. Okay, so do you think you're going to have a good season this year? Oh, definitely. We've been on the ball, we've been on track, nothing's stopping us now. Ernest, that's fabulous. Thanks very much. You're welcome. Yeah, there we go. So some posh watches. Today, my controller is on the floor. She can't believe it. She's listening to the prices of these watches and she's thinking to the Breitling. She says, does it come with a car? And that's a good point, Deneo. I mean, imagine spending one and a half million rand on a Rolex. So anything more ridiculous than spending one and a half million rand on a watch is spending a million bucks on a bed. And I'll tell you more about that bed in just a little while. Now, some of this may be leaving you feeling slightly queasy, a little bit uneasy, thinking, hold on a second, but there are people in the world with far too much money and I don't have enough of it. Let's talk to the editor of Wanted magazine. His name is Alexander Parker. He lives vicariously as well because he's a journalist and you can't afford to buy the nice stuff either, Alexander, which is why you and I go to places like these posh shops and talk to the people who sell them to the people who do have the money. Is this bad taste or or is this what we all just want? I don't think it's bad taste uh, at, at all. I think that um, I think that one thing we always forget that wealth is taxable, and therefore it's got to be a good thing. <laughs> wealth is taxable, and it's got to be a good thing. Whatever's left afterwards, of course, you can spend on yourself. You can then pay the massive import duties, and you can pay the massive VAT on those items, and contribute further to the fiscus. So, buying luxury is actually in the national interest, is what you're it saying. Is. You're doing a service to the country, believe it or not. Yeah. <laughs> it's a nice way of doing it. Whatever gets, whatever helps you put out the next issue of Wanted magazine, Alex. <laughs> um, give me a sense, please, of what our spending habits are like at the moment. What is your sense? As the editor of Wanted, are there enough people in South Africa with the big bucks to spend on these precariously priced brands? Um, without question, there are. I mean, whenever I talk to anyone from any of the high-end brands, um, they're, they're, they are very comfortable with their position and how things are going. I speak to people who sell very expensive cars. I speak to people who sell expensive watches. You've just spoken about that. And um, there's absolutely no question. There's a, there's a, there, we are a, a, a strange market. We talk about inequality in this country, and there are some very wealthy people in South Africa. And there is a market for luxury goods and luxury experiences. What is it about us as South Africans that we like to show it off to the extent that we do? I, I don't know. It is a peculiarly South African thing. Um, when, when, you, when you consider, for example, I mean, an industry I know well as the motor industry, and, and um, when you consider that South Africa is, I think it's uh, either the fourth or fifth biggest uh, market for AMG-tuned Mercedes-Benzes on earth, 
then you realize that this is a country that likes to flash the cash and, and, and show off its wealth. Um, and I, I just suspect it's a, a cultural thing and, um, and that, that there are people who like to demonstrate their wealth and their success. Um, but I also think that there is a, there is a, a stratum of society that is more old-fashioned and, and, and consumers in a far more sort of under-the-radar kind of fashion. They won't, you won't be seeing them in the big bright thing, you know. Oh, is it because we're kind of a, a, quite a new country from a democratic perspective? We're a nouveau riche country where your status, where you're defined largely by the wealth that you exhibit, whether it drips off your arm, out of your ears, or uh, depends on what you drive? I think you're, I think you're absolutely right. I think that, um, that that is certainly an element of it. Um, and that a lot of, uh, a lot of wealthy South Africans are perhaps the first wealthy people in their family, um, uh, or in their community and, um, they're proud of it. And I don't really begrudge people that. I think it's very dangerous to go down that road to, to say to people, um, that, that they shouldn't be so brash with their money. I think that, um, it's really up to them. What, what is the thing that is getting most people talking when you look at, uh, as the editor of Wanted magazine, the big ticket item for this Christmas? Is it liquid? Is it picture? Is it a motor car? I mean, you talk about, about us being the fourth or fifth biggest market in the world for AMG tuned Mercedes Benzes. What, yeah. what is it? What is getting the tongues wagging this year? It's no, it's no particular thing. I mean, the, the, I suppose there are trends, but, um, they're not trends for uh, an aspect of life. People are always interested in motor cars, watches, um, and other sort of less uh, showy signs of, of luxury. Um, but, but, but people's taste for particular brands does change um, uh, with fashion and with time. But it's not that people are suddenly looking at motorbikes or suddenly looking at cars or have decided to spend money on a watch for the first time. People, people have always done that. It's the brands, really, that change. And... Um, and keeping your your finger on that pulse is 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 when especially when you can't afford it yourself is is the great challenge of what I try to do. But I, I suspect the big money is going to go toward the tried and tested brands. People are going to spend the money on the Cartiers and the Mont Blancs and that sort of stuff. The foreign stuff, the Richemont stuff, the stuff with yeah. South African roots that has got in all the posh shopping centres where there's a range where you can probably get away with spending around a thousand rand, or you can spend up to fifty or sixty or a hundred thousand rand on you're, you're an item. Absolutely right. You're absolutely right. I mean, when I say that the brands change, it's it's from a limited number. I mean, if you think that uh, may, maybe someone's been driving around in a Maserati and they like the look of the new S-Class, I mean, that's from Mercedes. That's the kind of change that people make. Um, and then on the, on the same hand, I mean, individuals are individuals. People can be fiercely loyal to a brand they've always been with. And, and um, of course, the luxury brands are phenomenal, most of them, at working hard to keep their customers happy. Alexander Parker, the editor at Wanted magazine with a unique insight into the world of luxury goods. More about luxury goods and some whiskey and then the much talked about bed coming up in a moment. Celebrating summer. Jeffrey and Soweto, anything I can do to help you spend your 58 million <laughs> rand uh, winnings from Powerball tonight, I will do my very best to do so. He says, thanks for making my Christmas shopping spree even easier. Felicity was something a little bit more serious, saying we give overseas kids in our family an SBCA donation for Christmas, and they absolutely love it. Check my halo, says Felicity. But yeah, everybody does different things, and I love the way people do think differently. But tonight, with thinking the unthinkable and it is spending stupid amounts of money on really lovely but really expensive things that's what we're talking about this evening back to the hyde park shopping center and to a boutique whiskey shop this is heaven this thing 
Here I am with Mark Pendlebury in the Whiskey Brothers, a specialist whiskey shop here in the Hyde Park Shopping Centre, and I need the most expensive bottle of whiskey you've got for me, Mark. Hi, Bruce. So in that case, then, we would have to uh, direct you to the Dalmore Aurora. Uh, there are only 200 bottles in the world available. It is a 45-year-old whiskey, and the retail price on that is 51,000 rand. Have you tasted it? Uh, this particular one, I have not, no. Uh, I'm very familiar with the Dalmore. I've tried many of their high-end expressions, but uh, with only a few bottles in the country, I couldn't take it upon myself to open it. Now, we know macro. They sold their 50-year-old Glenfiddich. It was like a 300,000 rand That's bottle right, of yes. whiskey. Some lunatic went and bought it. Yes. Is anybody going to take this one? Uh, I believe uh, I believe so, and will. We've sold uh, more expensive bottles in the store. Uh, we have. So uh, I, I do expect someone to take this, particularly over this time of, of year, uh, with gifting and people kind of spoiling themselves. So uh, I don't think this will be here come January. Okay. Now, you've, you've also got the Glenfiddich 40-year-old, which you retail at 33,800. Belveni, which is a fantastic whiskey, a 30-year-old there. You don't even put the price up. You're so embarrassed. It's sold. It's sold. It's sold. Okay. <laughs> but the point is, there is a market for high-end whiskey. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, we, we've sold our most expensive bottle sold to date is a 60,000 Rand, and we've only been operating uh, a, a, you know, for a year. So, uh, I mean, there are plenty of individuals like art, like watches, like expensive shoes or pens, whatever it may be. Uh, there are individuals who love their whiskey and are willing to spend a, a good portion of their the disposable income on a, on a good bottle of whiskey. Now, you've got several hundred different bottles of whiskeys here, from Ben Riach to the Glen Livitz range and the Singleton range, the Arbalur range and Glenfiddich range, and I'm just looking as I go through um, just a whole range of ranges, really. Um, is there a market big enough in South Africa for a specialist whiskey shop like this? I, I definitely think so, and I mean, our, our first year has proven that, that it is the case. We're the seventh biggest market for Scotch whiskey in the world, uh, and we've dropped into seventh. We used to be the fifth place, so uh, we, we're a big consumer of whiskey and of course that the high-end stuff is still a niche consumer but there are enough of those individuals to warrant a store like this. Okay, if I was asking for the cheapskates guide to Christmas, how cheap could I go here? Uh, 120 rand. Oh good. Yes, I so go we, we, we've got, we'd like to think we've got something for everyone. Uh, we definitely don't want people to be intimidated by the fact that we're a boutique store or that we're in the Hyde Park Mall. Uh, we've got something, in, we've got all the regular stuff, and then we've got specialty items that are exclusive to our store. Well, walk over here with me because I'm fascinated. I've been to a Japanese whiskey tasting before. A lot of people don't really associate Japan with whiskey. You yes, have some fabulous pure malts from Japan here as well. Yes, and we've got some single malts as well. Uh, Japan make fantastic whiskey. I think on average their the quality of whiskey is higher than Scotland, to be honest. They may be very controversial to some, but the truth is uh, Jap Japan have been making whiskey for 90 years this year. Uh, they've got, uh, they, they're the third biggest producer of whiskey in the world. They produce more than Ireland, and they have twice as many producers as Ireland. So I think, you know, depending on the country you're in in the market, in South Africa is one of those, the, the concept of Japanese whiskey is, is, is a foreign idea, uh, but for certain parts of the world, and if you're in Japan, they have lots of brands, they make fantastic stuff, they've won best in the world across different categories. So if, you, if you're a whiskey enthusiast and you haven't tried Japanese whiskey, you need to. I hope the big spenders come through your doors. I hope so too, thank you. Mark Pendlebury <laughs> from the Whiskey Brothers, thanks very much. Happy holidays. So, Danao, the controller, listens to this and she's going 51,000 rand for a bottle of whiskey. Why? I mean, that's a perfectly legitimate question. And then she asks the next obvious question, which is, what happens if you drop it? Well, the first thing you do, Danao, is you lie flat on the ground and you suck the whiskey off the floor through your teeth, I suspect, as much as you can before you pass out. Oh, I tell you what. And finally, we've got to do this. How much did you spend on your bed? Just think about it for a second. You spend a third of your life in bed. Theoretically, if you're lucky, you spend a little bit more. But on average, eight hours a night is a reasonable night's sleep. So a third of your life is spent there. So you want to spend a decent bob or two on a bed. I found a place that sells a bed 
that many of us, and some of us, did get to try. So what do you get the person in your life who has absolutely everything? How about a bed for 60,000 rand? I guess a bed for 60,000 rand. How a bed for a million rand? Well, recently I was privileged enough to go to the Hastons showroom in Cramerville, which is just north of Santon, and I spent half an hour snoozing on a Haston's bed. What's so special about a Haston's bed? Well, Letitia LaRue is the store manager at Haston's. Letitia, we are sitting on a one million rand bed. Yes. Good day, Bruce. Um, I think you had the privilege of being on probably the best bed in the world. All natural, with a lot of tender care, and Swedish made. Um, a company that's 160 years old. Okay, so it's a 160-year-old Swedish company. Um, people who don't know the beds will know sort of the Swedish pattern of sort of white and blue checks, um, and that's many of the beds are covered in it. But we are on a bed called the Vividus. That's correct. Um, it is the premium bed. Um, I like to call it our Rolls-Royce of beds. Okay, so now... How long is a bed like this guaranteed for? Because I would like to think if I'm going to spend a million rand on a bed, my great-great-great-great-grandchildren are going to be conceived on it. Well, all of our beds, including the Vividus, are guaranteed for 25 years. That's the average lifespan of any human being's time in a bed, sleeping. So 25 years is, is the minimum amount of time that you're going to have the privilege of being in a bed. We, we're talking Tata to Rolls-Royce, so you can choose the one that fits you best. How many of these are you selling in South Africa? Um, of the Vividus, we're looking at about three Vividus per year. And okay, so it's not for everyone then? No, it's not. It is definitely a discerning taste. And with anything in life, when you have the best beginning with, or shall we say, beginning with a Tata up to the Rolls-Royce, we're not all driving around in Rolls Royces. Now, what makes a bed a bed and what makes a Huston's a special bed? I know it's made out of slow-growing Swedish pine and it's got oak dowels instead of screws and it's handmade and it takes 160 hours to make. All of these important things are wonderful, but it's not exactly something like a painting that you put up on your lounge. Only very few people would get to sample your bed. Um, I think one of the main factors for me um, and a lot of people don't always consider it, is the fact that on a normal bed you're sleeping on synthetic foam or latex. On the Hastons, you're sleeping on horsehair. Well, it's horsehair, but it's a byproduct of the, of the meat market in South America. And it's also a very old, tried and tested product that's been in the market from way back. Um, and it is used for something that has a longevity of life. So when you're looking at a construction of anything, whether it's horsehair or whether it's um, pine, you know, it's using a product that is naturally available and you're making something good from it. Now, it's an extraordinary experience and I think you know, it is ultimately a part of the white glove show. So therefore, it is one or two people. Has anybody actually bought one this year? Um, we've actually had about three bought this year. We have a Cape Town store. Um, that has been running for the last four years, and uh, they have had a Vividus sale. We've had lots of interest in our Vividus, not just because of its price tag, but also because of what the experience that you get from it. Okay. Has anybody bought more than one? Um, in South Africa, no, but worldwide, it's very popular. Um, Dubai store has a great following of um, Haston's or Vividus Spits. Is this market big enough for Hastings? It is without a doubt. South African mar market, there is money in it. 
Um, I think there's just awareness. People don't know the brand as well as the European market. So we are doing a bit to make the brand awareness. Um, so I think ultimately it's, it's a taste of time. We will get there. We'll get to the point where at least four to five Vividus is sold in Johannesburg. Okay, now move up here because I'm getting... Uh, right, head down and it's like lights off. And I think that's enough of this chit-chat for now because I think it's... I've a bit of a... Mm.